Welcome to the book of Numbers and uh, our fourth book in the Bible. So it's been so great to get here. Some people think the book of Numbers is the most boring book in the Bible. And I know we said that about Leviticus just um, not long ago. But people have this idea that Numbers is just full of numbers. Well, it's actually not true. <laughs> the first chapter is definitely full of numbers. And there are a few chapters that have censuses in them where they count people. There's actually a lot of content in Numbers that's not Numbers. Anyway, if you join with me, we're going to find it all. <laughs> Let's read. Yahweh spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, every male, one by one. From 20 years old and upward, all who are able to go to war in Israel. You and Aaron shall count them by their divisions. With you there shall be a man of every tribe, one, each one head of his father's house. These are the names of the men who shall stand with you. Of Reuben, Elazur, the son of Shedur. Of Simeon, Shel-Umiel, the son of Zurishadai, of Judah, Nashon, the son of Aminadab, of Issachar, Nathaniel, the son of Zuah, of Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helon, of the children of Joseph, of Ephraim, Elishema, the son of Amihud, of Manasseh, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazhur, of Benjamin, Abidan, the son of Gideoni, of Dan, Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai. Of Asher, Pagiel, the son of Okran. Of Gad, Elisaph, the son of Jewel. On Naphtali, Ahira, the son of Enan. These are those who were called of the congregation, the princes of the tribes of their fathers. They were the head of the thousands of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men who were mentioned by name. They assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they declared their ancestry by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward, one by one. As Yahweh commanded Moses, so he counted them in the wilderness of Sinai. The children of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, their generations by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the numbers of the names, one by one, every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go to war, those who were counted of them of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. Of the children of Simeon, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, those who were counted of it, according to the number of the names, one by one, every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. Of the children of Gad, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Gad, were 45,650. 
of the children of Judah, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Judah, were 74,600. Of the tribe of Issachar, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Issachar, were 54,400. Of the tribe of Zebulun, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Zebulun, were 57,400. Of the tribe of Joseph, of the children of Ephraim, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Ephraim, were 40,500. Of the children of Manasseh, by their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Manasseh, were 32,200. Of the children of Benjamin, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Benjamin, were 35,400. Of the children of Dan, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Dan, were 62,700. Of the children of Asher, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Asher, were 41,500. Of the children of Naphtali, their generations, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war, those who were counted of them, of the tribe of Naphtali, were 53,400. These are those who were counted, whom Moses and Aaron counted, and the twelve men who were princes of Israel, each one for his father's house. So all those who were counted of the children of Israel by their father's houses, from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go out to war in Israel, all those who were counted were 603,550. But the Levites, after the tribe of their fathers, were not counted among them. For Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not count, neither shall you take a census of them among the children of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it, that they shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it, and shall encamp around it. When the tabernacle is to move, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. 
the stranger who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard, according to their divisions. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. The Levites shall be responsible for the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the children of Israel did, according to all that Yahweh commanded Moses, so they did. Wow, that was a long chapter. <laughs> and that's the chapter that starts Numbers. And you can see why it's called the Book of Numbers. And um, the reason it's called the Book of Numbers is because in the very first verse in the Greek language, um, in the Greek translation of this, the Septuagint, it has the word arithmoi, which is the Greek word numbers. And that's where we get the word arithmetic from, or math. No, arithmetic. Anyway, but in Hebrew, it's the word, this book actually isn't called Numbers, it's called Bamidbar, which means wilderness. And it's because this whole entire book is about the time that they're in the wilderness. It's pretty much, you know, we talk about the children of Israel being in the wilderness for 40 years, well, that's pretty much this book, the book of Numbers. You know, Genesis, they're obviously not in the wilderness. Exodus, they're in Egypt and they've come out. They've just come out. Leviticus and the last part of Exodus is really the first year in the wilderness where they're setting everything up. And Deuteronomy is really the last great speech of Moses before they leave the wilderness. So the book of Numbers, this is really their wilderness time. It's their 39 years in the wilderness and not counting the first year already covered up to this point. So by the time... Uh, we get to Numbers, they've already been in the desert for 13 months. This is the start of their 14th month. And it's interesting, um, I've heard people say you could walk, that you could walk from Egypt to the Promised Land in just 11 days. True, I think if you just started walking and you went straight there, that'd be correct. And um, I think it would be a lot harder to take 2 million people to the promised land in 11 days. That would be a major feat, but still you could do it a lot quicker than 13 months. So why has it taken 13 months to get to this point? Sometimes when we were, you know, when we were in Sunday school classes as kids, we always got the impression that the, the spy, you know, they tried to spy out the promised land and go in so quickly, but it failed and, and now they're doomed to be in the desert for 40 years. We haven't even got to the point where the spies are going to look at the promised land yet. That's going to come later in the book of Numbers. So it's actually they've actually been in the desert for an entire 13 months. This is now month 14. And they still haven't even got to consider the promised land yet. God's been using this time to work on them. You imagine if they came out of Egypt and they still were as chaotic a group of people as they were taking them straight to the promised land and having them try to conquer the land. There's no way it would have succeeded. <laughs> I mean, it would have succeeded if God had done it as miraculously as he brought them out of Egypt. But God was really trying to get them to change and mature and become people that could take the land themselves, you know, people that could stand on their own two feet. And so we see that when they came out of Egypt, there were definitely lots of miracles but by the time they go into the promised land, there's a lot less miracles. Like there's one where they cross the Jordan River. There's the first city of Jericho where the walls fall down. But after that, it's pretty much conquest the usual way. So this period in the desert, it was to change them. It was like 
um, a necessary period of change. And of course, God made them into a nation. He established the tabernacle and the laws and the rules. And he made covenant, all those things we've covered in Exodus and Leviticus to get us to this point. So now we're at the point where they could, in theory, be a fighting force and take the promised land. And God says, count the fighting men. And we've just done it in chapter one. And we worked out that there were, of the 12 tribes, there were just over 600,000 fighting men aged 20 and up, which in reality is between 20 to 50. That, that's the age they counted. And so this is how many men they've got that can go on conquest. And that's a good group. The biggest tribe is Judah with 70,000. The smallest is Manasseh. So there's all tribes of different sizes, but together they're a significant group. Now, once you add up this big number, um, suddenly all the skeptics in the world, <laughs> when you read Bible commentaries, there's, there's different types. There's those written by people who believe the word of God. They, they know that the Lord was involved in this. Then there are skeptics. And then there are those that are kind of skeptical. They kind of believe in God, but they're still skeptical. Well, all those skeptical ones, they immediately think that this 600,000 figure is just a made up number because they say there's no way that amount of people could survive in the desert. Because, you know, that's only the men of fighting age. If you add the women in and all the men and all the children that are too young and all the elderly, you've got more than 2 million people. And skeptics say there's no way 2 million people could live in the desert all on their own. Well, that's true. They couldn't. And that's why there's manna. We, we've read, we've, you know, we've read about God's provision in the desert. He was, it was a miraculous experience. And the problem with skeptics is they don't believe God. They don't think that God would do these type of things. But the whole of our Christian faith depends on these types of things. There, whenever there's been a need for God to do something miraculous, he has done something miraculous. And the best example of that is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have anything. And it was needed, it was necessary, and God knew it. But he had to do something out of the ordinary so that something out of the ordinary could come about. And um, so the Exodus is one of those things, and this 40 years in the desert is definitely a miraculous period. So don't listen to the skeptics because there are people who just don't trust the Lord at all. And one of the things that the scriptures tell us, like in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God and anyone who, who believes in him will come to him. And we can't even pray without believing him and trusting in him. This is the core component of our faith. So I think we can look at a chapter like this and we realize a few things. First of all, we've come to the point we're finally, after a year and a month in the desert, they're ready to be a fighting force, and God's counted them, and there's a lot of them, and they're going to now get ready to go. And um, But we realize there's a lot of them, and they could not possibly have gotten this far or, be, or have this many people sustained without the miraculous power of God. So that brings us to think about ourselves. In the same way that they were unable to live without God's help in the desert, you are unable to live without God's help either. The thing is, because we live in this modern world and we've got conveniences and comforts, we think that God doesn't have anything to do with it. And that's where we're mistaken. 
The truth is we depend on God for everything. And uh, right now in the world, there's a huge shaking going on with coronavirus. And a lot of people are realizing they need God. But in Australia, the shaking hasn't been that bad. But the truth is, no matter what your circumstances, is we rely on God every day, just as these Israelites did in the desert those 40 years, and they knew it. And even though they knew it, they still grumbled and complained against God. And we've heard stories of that, and we're going to hear a lot more like that in this book of Numbers. And I think it's a terrible sin and a terrible mistake for us to grumble and complain when the Lord is sustaining us every day. And these are the lessons that we should learn. So thank you for joining me for Numbers chapter 1. We're going to pray because we're going to ask the Lord to sustain us as we go on this continued journey through the Numbers and through the rest of the Bible. Lord, you sustained your people and you still sustain your people. You are what the Scriptures say, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, you cause our faith to begin but you cause our faith to continue and to come to completion. Lord, you are the one that provides. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what you did in the desert for the Israelites, sustaining them, you do for us today, sustaining us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our comforter and our God. And I ask you to forgive us for our grumbling and complaining. I pray our eyes would be always set on you. Let our hearts be humble and repentant in Jesus' name. Amen.